One of the great things about living in Charleston is that it affords you the opportunity to be a tour guide in your own town. It's such a treat to welcome family and friends who've never been here to Charleston and to show them everything from the Dock Street Theater to this beautiful building to the quiet little alleyways that are hidden um, out and about here on the peninsula. But I've also found um, that in addition to, to the joy of just seeing, you know, in their eyes, uh, just taking in the beautiful sights of this city, and in addition to that joy, it also, uh, I have found, serving as a tour guide can help me to appreciate this city. Because we often take our hometown for granted. Well, I experience precisely the same joy and delight whenever there's an opportunity to share the gift of the Anglican tradition with those who are new to this fellowship. One of the great gifts of our tradition is that, and it's a gift that we share with other liturgical churches, is the gift of the church's ancient calendar. If you're new to Anglicanism, you might not have even realized that the church has its own yearly calendar which has been handed down for centuries. It's a calendar with its own seasons and celebrations. And more importantly, this calendar was designed by our brothers and sisters long ago to encourage and guide our Christian walk. The calendar is designed to fashion and form us more and more into the image of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And it accomplishes this by taking us through events and seasons and celebrations, each with their own theme or focus. Today is a special day in this calendar. On this Sunday in the church's calendar, we stand at the boundary of a new year. Today is a bit like New Year's Eve. And next Sunday, the first Sunday in the season of Advent, it's a little bit like New Year's Day in the church's calendar. And if you pay attention with your eyes next week, you will see a change that will signal this move into a new season and a new year. The color in the church will change. Our stoles and all of the hangings and the little pocket things that the ushers wear, they'll all become purple, uh, signaling to us that a new year has come and the old year is gone. Furthermore, as we enter into this new year, there will also be a change of focus in terms of the readings that we hear on Sunday mornings. Whereas in this year, we've been walking through the gospel according to, to Luke, next year, on most Sundays, we'll be hearing from the gospel according to Matthew. But today, on this last Sunday of the year, the color is white. We call this Sunday, Christ the King Sunday. And while um, there are particular things happening in, in the secular seasons of the year, on this particular Sunday here in the church, something very peculiar happens. We all came here this morning probably anticipating Thanksgiving, and deep down in our bones we know that just around the corner is Christmas. But when we come to this Sunday in the church's calendar, we are taken quite to our surprise to the trial and the crucifixion. It's almost jarring. 
Even if you didn't come out of a tradition where Good Friday was observed with its own Good Friday service, even if you didn't come out of that tradition, we all just sort of know intuitively that the cross and the crucifixion belong with Easter in the springtime. And yet here we are at Golgotha. Why? Why the crucifixion on this last Sunday in the church's calendar? Because our brothers and sisters have long ago realized that before we step willy-nilly, headlong and heedlessly into a new year, we need to pause. We need to stop. We need to behold the man, the king, whom we all serve. Now, some of us are ponderers by nature. Some of us are wired for contemplation. But I think this Sunday was probably designed for the rest of us. This day was designed for those of us, and I'd put myself in this latter category, who are just a little bit hyperactive. And so every year on this Sunday, the calendar takes us by the scruff of the neck and lovingly but firmly places us down in front of the cross so that we can behold the king whom we serve. So friends, let's do that for just a moment. Let's pause here as we prepare to bid this year farewell. And let's allow this scriptural portrait of our king to do its work in us. We pick up in the story after Jesus has been put on trial. But his was a trial that was completely devoid of justice. All along the way, there are people who testify that Jesus was innocent. Pilate, the criminal on his side, the centurion, they all testify to Jesus' innocence. During the entire process, Jesus has been mocked repeatedly, and he has been so severely beaten that on the way up to Golgotha, he was too weak to carry his cross. Now, if you know anything about persons who have made a living with their muscles, like carpenters in Palestine, you know that these sorts of persons are strong. Their muscles have been built up and honed by years of lifting and moving and pounding. You'd have to beat a man like that for hours to get him to stumble under the weight of a cross like that. We arrive here at the place of the skull, Golgotha, and immediately we see that the king whom we serve is like no other king this world has ever known. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with Jesus. And when they came to this place called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, the way that I just read that passage is nowhere near what it would have sounded like on that day. 
What we need to understand from this point onward is that whenever Jesus or one of these criminals speaks, he must first draw himself up, pulling against the nails that have been driven through his hands, straining against excruciating pain in order to draw a breath to speak. Every word, every phrase will cost these three men dearly. And they will have to spit out each word through agonizing pain. But Jesus counts the pain worthwhile. He pulls himself up on the nails in order to purchase himself a breath and then cry out in prayer to his father to ask forgiveness for those who mocked and beat him. Friends, Jesus intercedes for everybody. What other leader, what other king is like this? And he's the one who's innocent. Have you ever been accused of something you did not do? I think for most of us, when we are accused of something we have not done, we immediately go on the defensive and say, I, I didn't do that. You can't blame that on me. But Jesus was innocent. He'd been charged with crimes he did not commit. He's in excruciating pain. But what does he do? He intercedes on behalf of those who did these things to him. I want to say that it's, it's, it's extraordinary, but extraordinary is a word that doesn't do it justice. Jesus will forgive anyone. Friends, that's the king that we serve, a king of inexhaustible forgiveness. Does it not make you want to worship him? And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked Jesus, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Save yourself. Surely those who love Jesus... Those who are standing there and watching all of this, Mary, his mother, Mary Magdalene, uh, uh, his disciples, surely that's what they were saying in earnest. Jesus, please save yourself. Please stop this terrible miscarriage of justice. Please stop the pain we, we can see on your face and in your trembling body. Please stop the bleeding in our hearts as all of our hopes are spilling out on the ground like your blood. Please, Jesus, stop. Please, Jesus, come down from the cross. But he doesn't. He doesn't come down from the cross. He doesn't put an end to it. He sees it through to the end. I can't help but wonder how tempting it must have been to give up on us. With all of our fighting and selfishness and petty mean-spiritedness, the temptation to give up on us must have been enormous. But he doesn't. He goes through with it. He sacrifices himself 
for us. And here, gazing at this portrait of our king, we behold the terrible love of his heart. Terrible that it brought him to this for us. Friends, this is the king we serve. A king of inexhaustible forgiveness. And a king who sacrifices himself for us. Does it not make you want to worship him? One of the criminals who were hanged railed at Jesus saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus wrenches himself up by the nails to take in a breath so that he could speak these words of promise over this criminal. Words that have brought comfort and encouragement to millions Truly I say to you, literally, amen, amen, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will find your way back to the God who made you and who loves you like a father, and his presence will be like paradise. Friends, we we serve a king who provides an open door back to God for any who want it. Saints and criminals alike. What other king, what other leader provides for his people like this? We serve a king of inexhaustible forgiveness. We serve a king who sacrificed himself for us. And we serve a king whose life mission was to provide for his people, to provide a way back home. Friends, does it not make you want to worship him? With all your heart? Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. As I've been looking forward to this day, a day when we stand before this portrait, I've been praying for us. I've been asking that God's Holy Spirit would move in our hearts so so that as we take in this scriptural portrait of the king we serve, we might see him with fresh eyes. See him for the king who he truly is. A king like no other ruler of this world. A king who forgives, a king who sacrifices himself, a king who, who provides for his people, opening the door to paradise for any and all who want it. And my prayer for us has been that the Holy Spirit would use this moment to reawaken our hearts in worship so that we might enter into a new year overflowing with gratitude for our King, the King we serve. That as we come forward with our hands outstretched to receive his body, our hearts would cry out, who am I, Lord Jesus, that I should receive your forgiveness, your sacrifice, your provision? Who am I? That we might enter into this new year in a posture of worship. 
But friends, I've been praying as well that this little portrait would do its work in our hearts and bring about a change in all of us. That as we pause here to behold our king, his, his portrait might form and fashion us for his service. And so to that end, I, I leave you with three little prayers. Three little prayers that you might take them with you as we turn the page on this year and look with joyful anticipation to the next. Lord Jesus, you are our king who forgives. Is there someone I need to forgive today? Lord Jesus, you're a king who sacrificed yourself for me. Am I being selfish in any of my relationships? Are there any areas in my life where I need to move from self-centeredness to self-sacrifice that I might look a little more like you? And Lord Jesus, you are a king who provides. You have promised us paradise in the Father's presence. Is there any area of my life that needs to be touched or healed by that promise? Any area of my life where I've been living like a per person who doesn't believe that promise is true? Some area of anxiety or hopelessness or weariness that needs the light of your promise to break in and bring me back to a place of peace and perseverance and joyful anticipation. Lord Jesus, shape my heart by this portrait of your forgiveness, your sacrifice, your provision. Friends, such prayers would bless the king we serve. May his Holy Spirit plant them in our hearts this day as we prepare to close the book on this year. Amen.